Hey, this is Dave Williams. It's a very special episode of Conversations.Buzz because it gives me an opportunity to get back together again with my dearest friend, Dave Grosby. We met 40 years ago. I hope you read the introduction to the piece that was on the website um, because it's really true. We have had more fun, as Rush Limbaugh said, thanks to me because I gave him the line, we've had more fun than human beings should be allowed to have. Uh, one hour of conversation doesn't begin to scratch the surface or even begin to explain. What I wanted to tell you before we start is that uh, the beginning of the conversation is pretty heavy. We start talking about uh, David's revelation that he has Parkinson's disease. The other thing, just a little explanation, because it's something that you can't see at the very beginning. I'm showing him a picture of a play review, a theater review from the Sacramento Bee in the mid-80s when he and I were starring together in a production of The Odd Couple at Stage Door Comedy Playhouse. I was Felix, he was Oscar, and my God, we had a good time. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> See, that admission is $7. <laughs> and that was too much. Yeah, boy, <laughs> no, I was going to say... They got their money's worth with us. Remember, we practically did that entire play on the air on KFK. Yeah, Just a little bit of the yep, time. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Man, it's good to see you again. I haven't seen you since um, last time I was in Seattle, which was, I guess, about 12 years ago. Yeah, we've changed a little bit. Yeah, you're you gainfully employed, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! I thought you were talking about being no, old that, and fat. No, that was that was true then. <laughs> oh, well, I don't. You know, it's been so, it's been so long. I mean, we've talked a little bit from time to time, but I actually think the last time I talked with you was when you called you called a, a two or three years ago uh, to tell me to tell me that you'd been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And uh, Carol Ann and I were walking through Disney Disney World at the time, and it was so noisy I couldn't hear you. And you know, it sounded like you were giving me this, you know, really really heavy personal news, and we were, you know, in a carnival or something. Which helped. But uh, yeah, I guess, I guess. How are you doing? Uh, well, three three years in, um, um, in terms of that, I'm I'm doing as well as I I could be doing, I suppose. It's. Uh... It's a never-ending thing with Parkinson's. It's, um, I think I've, I've mentioned it to you in that conversation that it's a boutique disease, which is a nice name for something pretty horrible. It means it's just different for everyone. Everyone has their own set of symptoms. And I'm telling you, Dave, I mean, the, the most common ones are stiffness and, and moving around and, and having uh, you know, tremors. And I don't really have those. I have the stiffness to a degree. But there's probably... 40 or 50, and I'm not exaggerating, non-motor symptoms of it, of which I have most of them. So, um, you know, in terms of the classic Parkinson's, uh, when you think of it, you think of Muhammad Ali or, or Michael J. Fox. I mean, at this point, I'm not, I don't have that. It's, yeah. it's coming, but it doesn't mean you don't have it. I mean, there are so many other things that go along with it. So I'm just uh, dealing with them as they come, one at a time. And then I uh, had a knee replacement done uh, a couple months ago. So uh, coming back from that uh, as well. You're too damn young for all of that shit. I mean, you have been for a long time because you what? You've gone through what? Two open heart surgeries. I'm not trying. Yet yeah, I'm really not. If you don't no, want to talk fine. about all it's this, fine. that's fine. We don't have no, to it's fine. I, I, always uh, willing to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I had ulcerative colitis diagnosed at 29. 
two open heart surgeries. Um, yeah. You know, uh, coronary artery disease, obviously. Um, then, then the problem. I'm gonna have to have, probably have another knee. Uh, it, it just it's never ending I'm just kind of like bring it on at this point in life I mean I, I can take it I suppose but um, at 61 you're right I feel a lot older than that uh, physically but um, you know part of it part of it is you know what are you going to do when you get something like Parkinson's the rest of it you know I kind of earned it and I, I don't mean that in a, in a flip way but I lived hard uh, I, I partied too much I drank too much I had too much fun and uh, I don't regret doing it that, that stuff doesn't cause no, Parkinson's no, doesn't. or even or even uh, heart well, problems, right? I mean, I'm guessing that that was uh, that that was a, a genetic situation. Some, uh, they don't know about Parkinson's, although my mom had it, but uh, there's there's no no link yeah. to it. Um, the heart thing, yeah, we had a weak heart, but I didn't help it with a, a decade of cocaine abuse, um, which uh, which fortunately is in my rear view. Well, I didn't know right, about right. That. So I mean. I yeah, there, there were there were other issues as well, but but you know, look, uh, it um, you, you you just plug through. I mean, what you can do is, is I do a lot of work for the APDA, the American Parkinson's Disease Association, in town, and you know that that kind of thing is optimism. You know, it's really hard to be optimistic when you know you've got something that, that's bringing you down. But um, you know, the fact of the matter is, you, you can't control how you feel, but you can control how you feel about it. And that's what I try and do. I mean, that's it's really all you can do. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've told you before, you know, through emails or f- Facebook postings or whatnot, you you really are inspirational in that regard because, uh, you know, those of us who have never dealt with that kind of a uh, medical or physical challenge have never had to uh, imagine how we would deal with it. And I probably would be very depressed I'm a, I'm a depressive personality anyway. So, you know, how you handle that kind of thing is just Well, really and then amazing. I didn't mention the, the real problem that I'm having these days, which is some nerve damage in my legs, which burn all the time, for crying out loud. So, um, that's, that, and that's, can't be, I haven't, got, I haven't gotten a diagnosis on that one. I haven't got that one figured out yet. So, you know. I don't know, I think you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago to me in, in, in an email or something, and it's like, yeah, you, you you're not even able to sleep. I'm able to sleep, fortunately. That that's you know knock on wood. That's if I can't sleep, I got big problems. That's, that's you know it's funny. You, you go through. You talk about being depressed, and I definitely had a bout of depression, and um, it was significant. And when you have it, you know, as you know, it's it's a real thing. I mean, it's you know when you have depression after you've had it, it's a it's a you feel differently. And you know what ha- what happened in my case was insomnia really triggered it. I mean, as long as I can sleep. You know, I can I can kind of handle everything that goes along, and everyone's got their particular trigger, I imagine. But uh, you know, when I got insomnia beat to a degree, is what what made the difference for me. But you know, it's it was funny because I I didn't really know about the I knew about depression, but you know, snap out of it, sort of that mentality, and yeah, you, 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 and it's just unbelievable. That that's what I've always talked about. I was diagnosed with uh, clinical depression probably about 30 years ago, and it had been bothering me up until that point. I just didn't, I didn't know exactly what the problem was, uh, except that I knew that there would be, uh, for no reason whatsoever, I would be happy, everything's good, I'm healthy, I'm having a good time, I've got a great relationship, whatever, everything's fine, but suddenly this big dark cloud starts to descend, and you know it's, you get to a point where you right. know it's coming. And you just, and there's no reason for it. 
And maybe, you know, within two or three minutes, you're, you're in tears. You can't even explain that to anybody. And nobody can understand. And if you try to talk to somebody who can't understand, they inevitably will say something like, ah, come on, snap right. out of it. You'll get over it. You know, and you know you will get over it. But snap out of it is not helpful. No, no, none, really talking to someone who hasn't been through it is not helpful. Because talking to people, as you know, is helpful. I mean, you know, and it's funny, um, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. it's picking up a, a random thought that, that that's not supposed to, quote unquote, because look, I, I'm, I'm, I've been a sports guy, a sports guy on the radio forever and ever. So I'm kind of used to problem solving, you know, figure out what the problem is, then you do something to solve it. And in the case of depression, it doesn't go away right away. And so I, I, there's, yeah. I'm going through certain things, you know, trying to be, be more mindful, living in the moment, things like that. And I'm seeing a therapist about it. And, and so I, after about three months, I say, so how long do I have to do this? And she's like, what do you mean? She goes, how long do I have to be mindful? And, and she says, well, you don't have to do it at all. You can stop now if you want to. Uh, and, you know, I just thought about it. And she, she was right. I could stop now. And that... that particular thing was something that loosened it up for me so it's just uh, you, you need you need to be in a situation where you're talking to someone that understands what you're going through and and sometimes it'll be something random that'll just that'll just help you let's talk about your career yeah. a little bit and we'll work our way back to uh, our beginning and the times that we spent together uh, but uh, now you you re retired from radio in Seattle. What a year ago uh, has it been? They, they retired me, and it was uh, Christmas Day, by the way, of, of last year. And then ah. um, so t nice. It's amazing how often that happens in right. this business. Christmas Day <laughs> near the end of the year. We're gonna <laughs> take the day off, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, and they actually, you know, in fairness, the, the company, um, Bonneville really treated me well. Uh, they, they, uh, they stuck with me over the past three years when I was really, really struggling and, and, you know, threw me a lifeline is how I put it when they did an article on me in the paper. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I just, you know, you got to answer the bell, Dave, you got to be able to answer the bell. And, and it was difficult for me to consistently perform. So, um, yeah, it ended then. And technically I suppose the clock will run out in August. Um, so technically I'm still working, I suppose, but not. And, um, that was, uh, the end of, it was 29 years here and 48 years in the business from, from the time that I first walked into my dad's radio station in Akron, Ohio, and did a, did a sports report in 1973. So, you know, we had a really nice, um, in fact, a week ago, uh, they do a sports and events council, which does these annual awards, 87 years of it. There was originally started by another newspaper in town and, and yeah. uh, me and my, my uh, another partner that I had, Mike Gastineau, uh, we did about 16 years together, received the Keith Jackson Excellence in Media Award, which was pretty yeah, damn I cool. It was, it was pretty damn cool. That's very so, cool. Tell us about that evening. Yeah, that was a week ago. And, you know, what's, what, what's fun is that, you know, the Seattle sports community all comes out for it. So, you know, everyone who, who's playing that, Tyler Lockett of the Seahawks, you know, won an award. They're there. The, the Kraken uh, ownership and players, the first-year hockey team, they're there. Mm -hmm. they, they made a they did a, a thing where, you know, we're trying to bring – a lot of people are trying to bring the Sonics back. I've got other opinions about that. So uh, George Carl came into town, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, who still lives in town. In fact, Sean Kemp Cannabis is where I buy my cannabis in town. Um, so uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget you're in Washington. Oh, right. You're in Washington. I'm in Texas. There's a big difference there. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, it's uh, about a thousand people show up for it. it it's uh, 
it's a it's a great big event, and and it was uh, a chance to see all my peers for the for the first time in a long time because of the stuff we talked about beforehand with all that stuff. I'm immune. I'm immune suppressed beyond belief. So I'm really someone who's got to try and avoid COVID if I can. So that was really my first time out in a couple of years, and and it was just a, it was just a great time. And and um, you know I don't I haven't gotten many awards and was never really in it for the awards, but. You know, Keith Jackson was uh, obviously a great broadcaster, and this was this was something that was very cool. First time out in a couple of years. I was going to ask you yeah. about that too, because uh, I, I knew I knew about that. You uh, had told me before. While while all of us were pretty much holed up and shaking in fear and wiping off the packages we brought in from the grocery store, right? You know, thinking that oh my God, this is this is going to end civilization. Uh, you you had uh, particular concern. We were a- unable to go out, and God bless you. You've got Bonnie Grosby. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that that angel that you married. What's about 30, 31, 32 years, years ago? Thirty-three, year. maybe. Thirty-two years. Yeah, she's yeah. and and she's well, she's beyond belief. She's just been uh, absolutely amazing. You know, her, her mother's living up here with us as well now, and she's actually living in the condo with us at ninety-five. So she's taking care of her too, and and um, you know she. I remember yeah, her very she, well. She's yeah. Jane Ann. She's a battle axe, though. I mean, she she got skin cancer like four years ago and brushed it off like a fly. She she's tough, but <laughs> you know. So I mean, we're we're in we're in the situation where, where she's at risk, obviously being ninety five, and then me with um, all the immunosuppressant stuff I'm taking at risk as well. So. You know, I got to stay diligent. I mean, you know, we, we've seen it come and go and, and uh, you know, how we go from here will be how we go from here. It's just a part of life now. Uh, but for me, it's always going to be something that I've got to I've got to be careful of. So actually, we passed the five day thing from the award ceremony. It felt like all right because it was it was a nervous five days. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. But I'm guessing this kind of challenge uh, put put you and Bonnie both in a frame of mind to uh appreciate each day a little bit more than than we typically do or or you yeah, did it's it's funny <laughs> i'm thinking sometimes it's like jesus she looks at me and she's needs i need to get out of here doesn't say it but i i understand it <laughs> uh yeah you know sure. it's it's definitely had that impact uh, and and look it, it makes us it's made us if it's possible even closer i think you know in just in just dealing with it and you know we're in a condo we're in downtown seattle so it's not as isolated a feeling as it sounds like, you know, and I get out and go to the doctor's office and whatnot. And so, I mean, we can walk out on a patio and, and be in the middle of the city. So it's not as isolated as, as it could be, I suppose. And it is for some people, but um, it's been, it's been a challenge and look, the whole thing has been a challenge, you know, uh, you know, kind of my health really failing three or four years ago has put pressure on, on, on all of us. And, and she's just done an amazing job as, you know, you, you marvel at, at if you if you married right, as I know you did too. You just marvel at, at your luck. I mean, you just marvel at your luck. You, you know, I think I, I could I could have I could have gone in another direction, and any other direction would have been a disaster. Yeah. Well, yeah. Carol Ann and I are celebrating 34 years on That's Saturday nice. of uh, this uh, this month of uh, June 4th, and we're going to uh, finally we're going to we're going to indulge her and take her to see Niagara Falls. Ah, Neither of us has ever been there. It, so we're going to be staying on the Canadian side, and we've got we got a friend in Toronto. We're going to spend I was time born with. in Buffalo and had a great trip back there to Niagara yeah. Falls. Took Bonnie back there. It is it is on the Canadian side in particular. It is so cheesy, 
so over the top, you're going to love it. Oh, really? uh, like su- souvenirs everywhere. Three wax museums. Kind of I remember the last time I went there. I mean, it just <laughs> yeah, ski ball. I mean, it, it was. It was. This was. This was. This was. Geez, it was the, What's that got to well, do with the nothing? Pearls? Nothing. I, I'm just talking about the the the, the, the carnival <laughs> atmosphere they, they have around it. In particular, on the Canadian side, was a lot of fun. Yeah. But um, you know, you're asking about the career, so yeah. you know, a few years ago. No, I'm sorry. I was I was just going to say you you reminded me uh, a few years ago when I was in um, I went to uh, Romania, and uh, I was there because they were they were doing right, uh, a play right. that I wrote, and they were doing there in their national theater, and I got I, I took a day trip to uh, uh, Dracula's castle wow. in uh, in Transylvania. That's what they call it, you know. I mean, there was no Dracula. That's a that's a story. But there is a there is a castle Bram Stoker used as the basis for his for his story. And they've got you know you take the tour through there. But everywhere around there, they've got all these little little cheesy souvenir stands where you get Dracula right, coffee right. mugs and Dracula figures and that kind of stuff. Anyway, that, I, I'm that's sorry. That's what that'll that. be like uh, in Niagara Falls. But I <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about your career, though. First of all, uh, you know, do you miss it a lot? I would see, I would guess that most people would say, "Oh, well, sure," but uh, you know, you had enough of it. You know, it's a it's a great question because um, you know it's all I did for forty eight years. I'm started thirteen, but yeah. um, I was I I kind of knew that the end was coming up. Even though I mean, I, I would have liked to have walked out on my own terms. Uh, it would have been similar timing. You know, Dave, for me, a lot of the passion went out of it, being a sports talk show host up here, when the Sonics moved. I mean, it was such such an outrageous thing in, in my book, and, and uh, just, it's something that I didn't bounce back easy from on the, I'm still bitter about it, which is ridiculous. I mean, you, you, it's just a basketball team. But, um, you know, it was it was a huge thing ripped out of the uh, the, the playbook of, of doing uh, doing the sports talk show, Everything then cascaded towards NFL like it has everywhere. And I'd be the first to admit I'm not the biggest NFL yeah. fan. I mean, I like the NFL. I'm, I'm a fan of the NFL, but I'm not. This obs- I don't watch guys practice. I don't care about the draft that much. <laughs> you know, I'll see them when they can play. Uh, I'm not enamored with all this off-the-field stuff that the NFL has, has you know, done a great job of, of marketing. So, you know, the, the station I was with, I, I, you know, the other thing I did is I, I jumped back and forth from station to station here. And the station I was with, you know, was is the Seahawks rights holder. And, and so that was, it was big. And, you know, you just had until this year, the hockey team came, you really only had two major sports. It was, uh, job wasn't as much fun as it had been. So, you know, that was definitely a mitigating factor for me. And then, you know. But you, you've always been a big fan of the Mariners. Yeah. Though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've had some great memories with them, but they've got the longest postseason drought in all of professional sports going right now. Longer than even the Sacramento no, Kings. Yes, really? 21 years. Oh, my 21 God. 21 years since they've been in the postseason. When they had their 116-win season, each of those rookie year, they haven't been in the postseason since. So, um, you know, do love the Mariners and, and you know, like you know like the Seahawks, but it just it wasn't enough. So I, I could definitely see the clock ticking down a little bit. And the thing that I did, and I'm wearing the colors right now, is um, – I started doing Seattle U basketball games, and this was this was an interesting story because right. I was I was I mentioned I, I worked 
16 years at, at KJR, which was the original sports talk station in Seattle, and, and the other 16 years at Bonneville, at, at, at Cairo Radio, which was ESPN uh, Radio, for the last 12 years that I was working. And, you know, I was working with my partner, Mike, who we got the award with, and he wrote a book. He wrote a book with a couple of other guys. Uh, this was about a dozen, 15 years ago. And I realized all of a sudden when he got his book published that, you know what, I don't have a plan if anything goes wrong. And we had different ownership coming over and taking over on the station. And, I, and I, that's exactly how I thought of it. I didn't have a plan. So there was a guy in town I respected a great deal. And this was when the Sonics were leaving. And he says, you know, Seattle University is talking about going Division One, And I knew about that. And he says, you know, you ought to buy the rights. And I'm, what do you mean? He says, you buy the rights, do the game, sell the, sell the advertising yourself. And it was a great idea. So, I mean, I said, what do I offer them for the rights? And he says, nothing. Tell them you'll sell the merchandise and you'll, you'll share it. <laughs> I, I, my reaction was the same as yours. And I presented it to them and they agreed. <laughs> and I got my old, I got my old boss, a, a guy who had hired me at Cairo to, to, to sell for me the first year. And, and we, it was, unfortunately, it was 2008. It was the year that everything crashed business-wise. But, you know, we set it up and then Bonnie did the business with me. And so for eight years, I did Seattle U basketball, which was a lot like doing the Iona games when Jim Valvano was the coach when I was working for my dad in my teens. Jesuit basketball, small-time program, and, and I did it for eight years. And, and unfortunately, the, when the Parkinson's uh, came on and the depression came on, I had to give it up. But that was outstanding. That's what I really miss doing. If I was still out there working, that's what I'd be doing right now. And I'd be happy just doing that um, as opposed to doing the whole thing. But no, nah, I was 48 years. I'd, I'd said enough. You, you keep your hand in? You're still doing a little bit of like call-in stuff. You no, know, I did did some call-in stuff with um, with uh, with this award thing coming up. I went back on, on on my old station a couple times, and and I still stay in touch with the guys at the other station I was at. Uh, and um, we're going to see what happens. I mean, it's funny, you know, when we were talking uh, a couple of months ago, you know, there's no such thing as as you know keeping your hand in. I'm doing it with you right now, right? I mean, just just stand yeah. and sit in front of a mic and do a podcast, and your hand is in. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I may do something along those lines. I'm, I'm really not sure. I'm really kind of, you know, it's funny. I say I'm waiting to get my health thing under control, and that's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to have to go hand in hand with it. But, you know, I, I mentioned to you I'm still doing stuff with the Parkinson's Association. So I'm, I'm finding ways to, to be active in, in hopefully helpful ways. That's cool. Okay, 20, how many years in Seattle? I came here in um, 91. So that's when I, 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 I did my last broadcast in L.A., so, did the morning show at the Rose wow. Bowl when Washington beat Iowa and then drove north. So, yeah, 29, 29 years. So that's, that's what I was going to do is turn the clock back to L.A. You went, to, you went to KFI in Los Angeles. Yeah, I was supposed to go with you. Uh, yeah, eighty. It was eighty-eight, eighty-nine, mm. something like it. Maybe ninety, right around. It was eighty-eight, and um, you yeah. know, we, had, we 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 were working at the same radio station. Although I was working in the afternoons, and you were working in the mornings, and we're at KFBK in Sacramento. And and the program director is a tremendous guy named George Oliver. Went down to to Los Angeles, and and he, I know he talked to you about doing the morning show down there, and he talked to me about being your being your partner again. We hadn't we hadn't worked together really uh, for. Right. for Geez, what was it at that point? It was about t about ten years since we'd worked together, and nine years. And um, I was going to do a crazy, crazy ass Saturday sports talk show, and 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 work with you, and it was going to be fantastic. And then you told me you couldn't get out of your contract, and they asked me to host the yeah, show. Yeah, they, they asked me, me to host the show. 
<laughs> which, which was one of the probably the worst mistakes that George Oliver ever made, because I had never done a morning show except for the one year with you when I was doing sports. I'd never done a morning show in my life. They bring me in to replace Gary Owens of Laugh-In. Gary Owens. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah. Step right and in. You can add lunch. And I remember, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a memory, some memories, even though mine are very cloudy, most of them, some stay with you, man. And I will never forget doing that first show. We did a practice show, and then we did our first actual on-air show, me and Terry Ray Elmer, our, our dear friend. And, you know, we had Rush Limbaugh. Right. You know, Rush had worked with us in, in Sacramento, and Rush, you know, called in and, and did a couple segments too. And I remember going through it and thinking, okay, you know, that wasn't too bad. It was, it was could have been, I'm walking, walking the hallways after the show. Uh, you know, it, it could have been worse. It, it could have been worse, but I, I think it was really pretty good. And, and I went around the corner in a hallway and all the executives, it was Cox Broadcasting were there and all their big guys were there yeah. from Atlanta. And the looks on their faces when I turned the corner, you know, they just, they didn't see me at first. It was just, my God, this was a disaster. I mean, I immediately knew that this, this didn't go well at all. This, this, was, this went terrible. And I literally had to start to think at that point, I got to find a way out of here because uh, this is not going to last. And, uh, yeah, I will forget their faces forever, thinking that, um, no, no, I really wasn't quite ready for this yet. But hung in there for a couple of years. That was, that was really hard on me. That was really hard oh, on me bet. because like, you and I talked. I remember we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about, uh, uh, you know, we'll get, uh, we'll, we'll get uh, tickets for the Academy Awards and we'll put on our, our uh, tuxes and, you know, take a car and we'll, we'll get around oh, Hollywood yeah. and we'll take over Hollywood. We'll have movie stars will be our fans, you know. I remember all that conversation. And then, uh, then our boss, good old Rick Etchison, and I, I do still think of him fondly and stay in touch once in a while. He just said, no, I can't. You know, I can't let you go. We've got you on good, under contract here for another two years or whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah, it was. crushing. Although, go ahead. I was just saying. Although uh, KFBK and before that KGNR, those years at Sacramento were just magical. Oh, no, no, they, they were. Yeah. They were. You know, it was. For me, you know, when I came out there, I was um, 20 years old. I, I had um, my yeah. family had moved to Sacramento, and I was in co going to college in New York. Was doing Iona college basketball games, and and was um, you know doing some sports cast there. And decided to actually went the three years of college, and they suggested that I not come back for my fourth. And I was all right, okay. So I, I moved to Sacramento, and I used to talk to my father about, you know, I said, I, well, I want to get a job. And he was running KRAK, the great country station at the time. I said, I got to get a job, right. you know, from right. someone else. And, and so he says, all right, well, let me, uh, how are you going to get the job? And we went through mock interviews. He made me do it countless times. And he kept, kept starting it by saying, all right, why should I give you the job? And I, I said, Dad, no one's going to ask me that. I mean, why, why? That's not how it's going to work, is it? I mean, you would do it time after time after time. And so I interviewed with a guy named Ken Duke, a name you probably haven't thought of in, in 30 or 40 years. And the first question he asked me was, why should I hire you? And I was, I was perfectly prepared to answer the question. And, and so I did. And so he said, all right, well, we'll have you start on Monday. You come in, you work from 5 to 2. And I'm thinking, boy, that was, those are strange hours, working 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. I never thought for a moment it was morning drive. And <laughs> <laughs> the worst time oh, of day for man. you. The worst I time. I couldn't believe it. I remember. 
I remember when you showed up to do the morning show with us that you you were special from the outset. I mean, first of all, you were very young. You're nine years yeah. younger than me. And you were, but, you know, I mean, you just had it all going on. The personality, the information, you knew what you were talking about. And you had had, you're 22 years old or 21 years old, whatever. You know, you already had five, six, seven years under your belt. You were experienced yeah, I had, at that I, age. But I... It was easy to see that, you know, this is somewhat typical of a 21-year-old kid. He doesn't belong getting out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning. No, the only thing that made it made it bearable was you and Keith Adams, who was this great old broadcaster who would sit and tell me stories about Grants Pass, Oregon, and starting the radio station up there. And then, you know, you were you were a brilliant broadcaster at that right then, and we, we just connected on the air, and, I mean, it was... I thought, and I think you did too, that it was just, it was magical. It was, it was just a fantastic connection. And, you know, it felt like, you know, here we are now. I mean, we remain good friends and, and it was, it was because of, started because of that great spark that we had on the air. I mean, we just, we just did. And uh, it was too bad that we didn't get a chance to, to fulfill it in Los Angeles because um, I think we would have owned that town. It's it's kind of weird that it, it, it's kind of weird that in all those years that have passed since then, and I'm I'm guessing we're talking about you know, forty years, a little more, uh, that we never worked together. Nope. Otherwise, other than I that, I think I went on your show once. But we hung out a lot. I think yeah. for a Seattle Cowboy yeah. playoff but, but, game, I think you had me on one time. Yeah, we never did. <laughs> we well, we did hang out. You when the Sacramento Kings came to town from Kansas City. Uh, we were the host station. We, we, you and I, I was the program director at the time, and you were the sports guy. So you and I sat down in my apartment and uh, had a few drinks and worked out the entire format yep. for the uh, broadcast. Oh, of course remember, I do. From, from pre Well, I, I remember because I yeah. had done the Iona game, so I had a, I had a sense of how to do it. And, um, well, the funny thing was I, I wanted to get hired by, by Paul Aaron, was the guy who was running KFBK at the time. And I, I tried and tried and tried, and yeah. he didn't, didn't do anything. He hired Gary Gerald. And, and so it was literally a month out. And, and I was, um, I was I'd, I'd gotten a job, actually. Remember Headline News at CNN? Remember when CNN did the Headline News Channel? Yeah. I'd gotten a job yeah. reading sports, and, and I was leaving town. And, I went in one more time and, and to see Paul Aaron, who I'd apparently offended at, a, at an event. Uh, I found out about eight months earlier that, that he just thought I acted like an asshole at, a, at, a, at, a, at an event. And it was with my friend Paul Pfeiffer. It's, it's a long story, but you. Oh, wow. Yeah, that kind right. of explains it, was, it though. With I a mean, college you know, buddy, we were going back and forth, and he thought I was being really rude. And so, you know, it was, uh, I, I said, you know, you're really blowing it here because I'm, I'm the perfect guy to hire and I can't believe you're going to fuck this up because of something that, that you think happened eight months ago. And, and he kind of liked that. And he says, well, why don't you go talk to, to, to our news director, Tyler Cox, and see what you can figure out. And I went and saw Tyler and or called Tyler. And he says, well, no reason for you to come in tomorrow. You know, I mean, I don't, I, this is the first I'm hearing of this. He says, why don't you talk to Dave and, and you know, see what you can figure out. And I said, I think I'm going to like this job. And he says, how come? I says, well, it's, I got my first day off, which he <laughs> didn't laugh at because he didn't think it was very funny. But yeah, I, I set it up with you, and then I, I built in a couple of talk shows for myself, in particular one at the end of the, each game. Right. And, and Gary was working right. NFL games at that time, too. So he was missing every weekend, which was usually missing two games a week. So the first... He was also doing NASCAR, Yeah, yeah. Right? He was, and he, 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 he 500. He had the Indy 500, too. 
So um, I wound up the first 30 games, first 20 games, doing like half of them. And I I, I went in and and, um, was threatened to leave, I think, threatened Paul Aaron to leave. And he says, no, 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 you know, you're Rick Etcherson. Rick Etcherson is coming at that point. And, you know, worked out a deal to stay. It was Uh with you and worked out a deal to stay. And and the, the, the Kings talk show, of course, took off and, you know, it's remarkable that franchise is, is still as healthy as it is, as poorly managed as they are, as poorly run as they are, that there's still um, there's still love there. And, you know, it was uh, it was a great experience, you know, just in terms of the Sacramento run in the 80s. The town was was growing and, and they loved that basketball team. And it was uh, it was really a fun, fun period of time. I remember when we got out there on the on the stage in the temporary arena that had just been finished. When they just got to town, uh, remember some of the players, like we had uh, like uh, Reggie Theus, and LaSalle Thompson. Joe Klein. Uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Klein, Klein, who remains yes. a very good friend to this day. Um, yeah. say Mike that. Woodson, Eddie yeah. Johnson, Larry but, Drew. But, I remember all those guys. Oh, yeah. They had some good guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Otis, Otis Thorpe, Thorpe, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I remember those guys coming out there and they're going like, Where's the town? We haven't seen the city. That's exactly right. We're in the stadium. But, but you can't even see the city from here because it was out in the well, sheep Well, there pasture. wasn't much of a city. I mean, at that point, there wasn't, there wasn't a particularly big right. downtown. And then everyone stayed at the Red Lion, which was nowhere near the, near the arena because there was no place to stay near the arena. So uh, the, the place next to the Red Lion, I think it was called Confetti. Uh, what was a pool hall that opened up? Remember that place, oh, yeah. and that wound up being the, the place where all the players sure, yeah. went. Right, right. It was a dance place, uh, uh, a night spot. Uh, just to give it perspective for people who might be watching or listening, it uh, later became, I want to say, Denim and Diamonds. No, that was a different place. That was out at Sunrise Mall. Anyway, it was a country place eventually. Right. But yeah, and I remember going. I remember going to Red Lion with you after games from time to time because. The players would go out there too, right, right. And as you say, it was really nowhere, it was nowhere near the stadium, but then nothing was. No, and they, uh, they 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 ultimately fixed that. But that was, I mean, that was the whole fun thing about that was. You know, it's funny. You know, doubling back to the Sonics story. That's how I knew the Sonics were cooked when, because um, you know, Greg Lukenbill bought the Kansas City Kings, the Sacramento owner, talked about right. keeping them in Kansas City, but you know, he wasn't planning that at all. He was planning on moving them. And when, when this guy Clay Bennett bought the bought the Sonics from Howard Schultz, you know he was he had he had taken in the, he had helped the NBA by having the New Orleans team play in Oklahoma City after Katrina. David Stern owed him one. You knew that they were gone, and and people around here just didn't you know didn't believe it for good reason I guess they've been they've been here as long as the Dodgers have been in Brooklyn, but I mean I had seen. I, they were very yeah yeah extremely extremely so and, and they had redone the arena eight years earlier and and you know it was uh, it was it was a terrible thing to see happen because I I'd, I'd seen it from the other side I'd seen it from the other side and then they had a chance to, to to go fishing for Sacramento's team for the Kings this was about six years ago I think seven years ago and um, you know when Kevin Johnson was 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 the mayor and and you know he he asked the right question he says what do I got to do to keep the team. And they said, build us, build, build an arena, publicly funded, you keep the team. And they did, and they did. You know, the, I think Steve Ballmer, who wound up yeah. buying the Clippers, was part of the ownership uh, deal here. He'd offered, a, I think, 
500 million more for the team, but you know, you build a building, you build a building. So they stayed in Sacramento and, and, uh, I wish, you know, it's, it's they're They have the second longest drought, I believe in the playoffs, second longest to the, to the, to the Mariners and the Kings are weird. I mean, the Kings, when Rick Adelman was there, they never had a losing season and never had a winning season without him. Not before or after he's been there. Yeah, I, I've thought about that a number of times. I don't know if it had to do with Rick Adelman or, or um, uh, I'm trying to think of who was manager of the team at the time. But, uh, yeah, he was he was terrific. And those were great times. Those were, were going back to, uh, like, the middle 80s, late 80s. Late 80s, early 80s. 90s. No, the 90s. Yeah, then into the '90s when they won the Pacific Division a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, and then the referee who was throwing games yeah. wind up wound up screwing him against the Lakers in Game Seven. Tim Donahue who was in jail for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was it was fun times in Sacramento hey, for sure. Uh, one of the things I was going to mention uh, because. We have our birthdays coming up this August, both of us. And I think about you every August because one time, I think it was just one time, we had, we had it, we had a, uh, we threw a birthday party yeah, for did. ourselves together. And uh, that was going to become an annual event and it only happened once. But what a great story that was. Explain how that came about because we were, we were using your parents' house. And this was what I want to say, eighty-one. Yeah, it was one somewhere yeah, right in there. It was when they left, maybe? They, they moved, and it was the first. It was the first year we had our birthdays together. So I mean, they they moved out fairly fairly quickly to Denver, and we were going to have the party in their house. You're, you're August third and August third, right? August third. Yeah, I'm August sixth. You're the sixth, yeah, and, and we right. were going to have it in there, and it was going to be. I, I suggested having it at the house because they had already moved. And we had furniture, and we had everything still yeah. in the house. And then they moved all the yeah, big, beautiful backyard. You got a swimming yeah, pool yeah. back there. It was a, it was a place. It was a great place for a party. Yeah. Except then the movers came. What about three days beforehand? And took everything out. <laughs> took so, out all I mean, the furniture. <laughs> the pool was still there. <laughs> we had three. the pool was still there, but we had nowhere to sit. Uh, we, right. Definitely cloudy memories on that one, but I remember still having a really good time. <laughs> I remember it did not impact our having a good time, but it, it was funny because I remember the looks people gave when they looked around and, uh, okay, where do we go? And it's, uh, the house is yours. I think we actually told people to bring a full, <laughs> you know, bring, bring some lawn. We probably time. did. We I think probably we told did. them that. And, and, and it wouldn't, wouldn't kill you to bring an ice <laughs> chest and put something yeah, in right. it. If you, if you have so. anything. Uh, I think we said we'll right. supply the booze. Yeah. The other thing I, I, I always remember whenever I start talking about you to somebody else is the the uh, the, the fated trip we took to the north coast to play <laughs> golf uh, one weekend when we went we went I mean the, the whole weekend what I remember of it I mean those 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 were our Lushwell yes. days but uh, we went we went uh, we went to uh, yep. Fort Bragg we found a hotel Little River Inn I remember it was just the, no, 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 no. This was a hotel in in downtown Fort Bragg. Okay. The only reason I know this is because because we walked. We couldn't find a room, and this was the place that had one room, and it only had one That's bed, right. and we had to That's share right. the bed. That's right. Yep. Yep. Remember that? And I remember the drive back. So we, we, uh, we we it was close quarters, and and yeah. we were getting on each other's nerves the entire time. <laughs> 
and, and then we're, we're finally leaving, and, and the road back for, to civilization, basically, to I-5, it, it goes through, you know, it's not quite the Redwoods down there. It's just about the Redwoods, right? It, it's a really, it's a switchback. Yeah, yeah. It's 20 miles per hour most of the time. It's about, a, what would you say, Dave, like 30, 40 miles with nothing, literally nothing on it, and we're right. running out of gas. And I... I don't remember why. I don't remember why we left town without gas. It, it obviously we couldn't find gas or something, or maybe it never occurred to me to get gas. I really don't recall. I remember just. But uh, and the th- the thing is, I mean, you could say it's easy to jump past the whole weekend and say, well, we were getting on each other's nerves. The fact of the matter, we had a fabulous weekend out on the golf course. We had, uh, I remember, we had dinner in a restaurant there in uh, either Fort Bragg or. Mendocino, and uh, somebody was giving the waitress a really, really hard time. Do you remember this? And uh, some guy was really being a jerk. And uh, I called her over. She was our waitress, too. And I said, I will give you $100 to go spill an entire tray of food on him. And she gave it some really serious (laughs) consideration. I I had the $100 in my pocket, and I put it out there. I said, I'm serious about this. And she says, ah, I can't. I'll probably lose my job. I said, well, that's kind of up right. to you. You know, if you're, if you're really good, <laughs> you, you can get away with it. I mean, that, was the kind, that was the kind of trip it was. We just had a fabulous time. I do remember uh, sharing the bed with you because we were, we were both so homophobic about that at the time that uh, we both slept on, uh, on the opposite edges as far from each other as we could possibly get with one hand Crazy. on the floor you know it's like it's my best guy my best buddy in the world but don't touch me while i'm sleeping okay exactly We're worried about absolutely nothing and then uh yeah so anyway yeah so we're driving home and it's it's i mean i i don't remember ever being anywhere yeah, more it's dark pitch black pitch in black. My no life. lights no cars no anything it's pitch black and um, I don't know what led to the, I, I just I, I just kept mentioning it. I just kept mentioning it. I wouldn't let it go. And finally, it was like, it was right. like Chris Farley, it was like Chris Farley and David Spade in, in Tommy Boy. You know, you said, all right, that's it. And, and I remember you getting out of the car and slamming <laughs> the door. I, I fucking had it. And, and you get out of the car and I get out of the car too. And, and it's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. And it's pitch black. <laughs> I grab onto the car. We're getting. We're, getting, um. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna fight. We're literally gonna fight. I think. And then we got out of the car, and and, and I think I, memory fails me to a degree, but I think we paused for a minute, and I think we just started laughing. We got to yeah. find you. <laughs> I'm gonna give you go give you a good pop in the face, and I couldn't even find you. So Where the hell are you? And then we just started laughing and. <laughs> We started laughing, then as long as as long as the other guy was laughing too, we realized it was okay. Get back in the car, Jesus yeah, Christ! Yeah, we go. did, and and you know what? I mean, that, and that trip's a big part of it. But that Mendocino is is still my favorite part of California. I mean, that's it, a trip that I probably made I probably made a dozen oh, yeah. times since then. Just just a fantastic part of the country for sure. And I think about that every time I drive it because you drive it the same way through that road. Yeah. You know what? What else I re- remember about the very end of that trip, though? I mean, we stopped. We never got into the fight, but I think the tension stayed yeah, a with us a little bit. As we we were driving back into Sacramento, it was a Sunday night, and we were supposed to go to work the next day. Now, that for you, that was in the afternoon, but for me, it was 5 o'clock in the morning, and I was so tired. 
I was doing the driving. I just couldn't drive anymore. I was getting really worried. I said, I'm not going to be able to stay awake. We're going to have a wreck. So I said, we need to stop for the night. And we were only, we were in Davis. 20 miles. Which was, you know, 20 miles from Sacramento, 20 miles from home. And I just couldn't go any farther. And that lit you up all (laughs) over again. You were so mad about that. (laughs) Oh, man, the things you do when you're younger. And and you you think about them afterwards. And and, um, it's great that that's a memory that we laugh about because uh, it, 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 it is. I mean, it's it's one that I, I I can't even remember feeling that way about you. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember that we did it, but I, I can't remember <laughs> why I would ever be that upset with you. Yeah. Well, you know, go go back to the beginning of this uh, this podcast, and I threw up that yeah. picture of us, uh, the, the the newspaper picture, and we did the odd couple. Man, that was that, that was so yeah. much fun. You you being uh, you being Oscar and me being Felix. And we worked in that theater together. The stage door comedy and, uh, playhouse. Yeah, it, it was. It was absolutely a, yeah. a fantastic, fantastic time. And, you know, I love when you tell the story about doing the play because, um, you know, I hadn't done a lot of theater, uh, very, very little. You had done a, a great deal with with, uh, with a guy named Jerry Grisham who, who owned the theater, uh, who was also a broadcaster. So it was kind of a home for wayward broadcasters. And and I remember doing the doing the read-throughs, yeah. and and you pick it up from there because um, he wasn't really happy with what I was doing. Um, all I recall was that you were you were just reading through it. The thing about stage door that was really unique: most theaters take a long time to prepare a show, six to eight right. weeks or something like that. And you know, we did performances on Friday and Saturday nights for ten. Uh, we did for, ten, twelve weeks. On some occasions for ten weeks, ten, twelve weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember but, Jerry. Uh, saying, they got it in there. I, I remember Jerry saying to me as we were doing it, um, you know, is that is that it? I mean, you know, you know, you know this guy can't do this. Uh, he's saying to Dave, and I'm, I'm like, he's like, all right, well, can you can you do better? And I'm like, I thought we were just reading. Because you want me to try and play the character? Uh, yeah, right. like, yes. And, oh, oh, okay. I didn't realize you wanted me to act. And. Exactly. That's what you said. I was backstage with you going, man, it's time to, you know, kind of get into it here. Because we would still be on the book, as they say, we're still reading from the script. But we never understood, like the way a lot of theaters do, it's like, okay, you're just hitting them, you're just getting to know the words, you're getting familiar with each other on stage, and then you got to get your blocking, you got to know, you know, walk over here, and you're going to sit down there, and it was all very methodical and very low-key. But we always just said, Let's try to find the character from day one. And so uh, Jerry was getting a little bit concerned. And I thought, this is odd. You know, I know Graz. He can do this. And I said to you backstage, I said, you need to, you know, show me Oscar. And you said exactly what you just said. You mean you want me to act <laughs> right. now? Well, I yeah. thought we were just reading. I had no idea. <laughs> you showed up 100%. Oscar was on stage yeah, the next we, moment. We, 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 we had a great time doing that. And, and that was... Uh, that was just talk about having a great outlet at, at the time, you know, with, uh, you know, it was theater, but it was with radio people. And, and we were both, you know, we were both. And uh, that was something that I, we'd go and do when you weren't doing shows. Sometimes you go by Friday and Saturday nights anyway to 10 bar to just, you know, just help, help 10 bar just, right. just to be a part of it. It was, uh, it was fantastic. Right. And our wives would be across the street, across Arden Way there at the racetrack watching the trotters. <laughs> Oh yeah! Remember, Carol Ann and Bonnie go to the well, trotters 
while we were yeah, because over we the had theater. friends there, so we could put them up in the uh, in the in the press box there. I had a great friend named named Dick Feinberg who actually handled the media for Cal Expo, which was the State Fairgrounds was literally literally across the street, uh, the California State Fairgrounds, and that's where they had those races. And and yeah, they w- they would go there and, and have a good time, and then come back and see us at the end. Uh, it was uh, it was small town life. In, in not really a small town, in a, in, a, in a metropolis that was really growing up, but uh, it was it was at a small town feel to it at that point. Yeah, I could reminisce with you forever. Um, you know, I, you know, one thought leads to another. I remember one time when you had uh, uh, one time when we were in a bar. Oh, listen to me. We were always in a bar. And one particular time, though, uh, you were you were short on cash, so you and I started playing. Uh, truth or dare or something like that and I remember telling you I'd give you 10 bucks to walk across the room I pointed out a woman walk across the room and smack her upside the head you didn't even hesitate you got up walked over there from behind her you smacked her upside the head not too hard but certainly I mean you know somebody hit you in the head and she whirls around and glares at you and you go oh excuse me and then you turn around and came right back with your hand up I mean, that, that kind of thing comes back to me, and uh, I don't want to talk about it forever. But um, uh, I, do, I, I am curious about your, yeah. your sports career, though. Um, the people that you've met, the people that you've interviewed, the people that you've managed to spend time with. Because even in Sacramento, you started uh, making friends of professional athletes. Um, you got any anecdotes, any stories, any particular people you want to talk about? Um, geez, it's uh, what was probably the most fun here. Uh, um, boy, that's that's saying a lot. What was a lot of fun here was Detlef Schrempf, who, who played uh, for the Sonics, was on that their great teams in the mid-'90s, right. and actually went that. to the University of Washington yeah. as a guy who stayed in town. And every year, uh, did a uh, for, for about 25 years, did a, did a charity golf tournament that was – Unbelievably fun, unbelievably fun, and um, because he was who he was, this was he started it when he was still playing, um, and then continued it on. So the first year he did it was um, was the year of O.J. Simpson's trial, the, night, the year after it, 95, 96, and so he had Cato Kalin came up to it. He wound up getting these O.J. celebrities at the moment, uh, you know, and, and and so he came up to it and. John, John, uh, the the lawyer Johnny Johnny uh, not Johnny Co- used to see him at Johnny Kings games too. Yeah, Johnny Cochran. He used to come to Kings games too. Apparently, he was probably or maybe, maybe owned a piece of the team at that point. I mean, it's possible too. So he he'd, he'd, he'd run guys up and usually you know B list celebrities and and um, there was always some fun to be had with them. Um, you know, I think the, the the guy that jumps out was the guy who played Putty on Seinfeld. Uh, who's? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Warburton. I met him. Who, who, and I can, yeah, Patrick Warburton. That's right. Yeah, I interviewed him. He was in the studio with us for an hour at KBC. Yeah, what a, a great guy. character. He 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 almost got us thrown. What, what the trip was is is we play golf uh, on a, you know you've been to Seattle you know it's beautiful here and there's Puget Sound and there's there's um, yeah. boats that go back and forth ferry boats to the islands which are 20 minutes away where there are golf courses and people live. And so part of the, the thing was you, you take a boat back from, uh, from the golf course and a boat to the golf course. And, and the boat was, was free beer, or free booze, and, and it just would get 
completely carried away at times. And and Putty, I remember Robbie Knievel was one of the guys who went to it, and Delov and a few guys betting him <laughs> that he wouldn't do a cannonball off the top of the boat, which he did when they were in the dock. He could have killed himself and, and didn't. I was going to say, and, the Puget Sound is a well, little bit Well, this is in, in a dock. I mean, you know, it's not even out in the middle of the water. Uh, and he did the cannonball, and they, they were going to throw us off the boat, and they, they had to talk him out of doing that. I remember an animated discussion between uh, one of my one of my really good friends up here, the late John Clayton, who worked for ESPN for a lot of years. Uh, John Clayton, Don James, the, the former Husky coach, and Harmon Killebrew having an animated conversation about Viagra right when it first happened and it first came out. And I just thinking, <laughs> just looking and boy, saying, I never expected to hear that conversation from those guys. Um, <laughs> j- just unbelievable. Uh, you know, my best friend up here is... is, is, is oh, yeah. always carry yeah, a big bat. That's, that's true. <laughs> you know, even before Viagra. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I got to be really good friends with, with Bill North up here. He, he's been, he's been a, a great friend of mine, the, the former A, for about 30 years. And, and unfortunately, Alan White, who just passed away from, from the band Yes, is another guy who was a great friend up here. You know, me and, me and my partner did a charity golf tournament as well, an alcohol-soaked event that, that we were lucky to survive. And, you know, um, we, we had, you know, the thing about, you know, I'm, I'm just bat- rattling through names here, is the thing about the guys is they'd always come and, and participate, and and uh, we just had we just had event after event happen. Um, so I'm I'm stumbling to think of just any any kind of individual things. Um, you know, I, no, I understand. It's the same thing. It's the same kind of you, you and I are going to finish up here, and then uh, you know in half an hour we'll both think of something we wish exactly. We talk but about. I mentioned you know I mean I've, I've gotten to be friendly with with you know as you talked about a lot of the guys who who played, and, and in particular the guys when when I was when I was younger. It's different now. Um, Jay Buner with the Mariners has become a really good friend. Uh, you know, Edgar Martinez, I do a lot of work at his golf tournament, uh, done some stuff for, for, for those guys. And, and it's, you know, as you get older, you, you get too separate in, um, in age from, from where guys are right now. Uh, so it's a little bit different then, but you know, back then I was, I was just a little bit older. And so they were, they were contemporaries and, and, uh, it was really a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun getting to know guys. I didn't believe in doing attack stuff necessarily. I believed in, you know, telling it like it was, but there was no reason to, to personally attack people, and and it's just the way that I felt about yeah. doing the show, and it was a way that that you know kept people open to me, and you know I got to throw out a first pitch at a Mariner game when 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 my retirement thing was announced, which was yeah. which was really cool as well, and I was really glad that, that they you know allowed me to do that. So, uh, you know, I treated everyone the way I wanted to be treated, and 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 I've I've, I've gotten it back in spades, which is which has been really gratifying, and I think would have made my my dad proud because uh, I got into the business because of him. You know, I went to work for the first time when he was uh, owned a station, or excuse me, was the manager of a station in Akron, Ohio, when I was 11 years old, and I saw the, the boss jocks barking into big microphones like this one in a corkboard room, smoking cigarettes with, with a cup of coffee that was, you know, just Maxwell House out of the can because there was no instant coffee then, and I just was, I remember goggle-eyed staring at those guys going, that's what I want to do, and yada, 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 that's all yeah. I ever did. Al Grosby. Let yeah, you do he, it. Man, what a great guy he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I miss I you, miss David. I miss you, too. I mean, I hope, I hope this, was, I just, this was fun for me. I'm not sure how much this is going to do for your show. We'll find out. We're just kind of getting started. But I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you early on. I've got uh, 
I've got another good friend that I've talked with who has a fascinating story, and I've got a couple of more, and I've got uh, some other people uh, waiting in the wings, going to be talking with Mark Cuban in about Fantastic. a week or two. Uh, there's someone know, interesting. Gotta, yeah, you got to bring it in once in a while. But, you know, all I'm trying to do is a pro, a, a establish a, a place to go for people who just like good conversation. You know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I listen to Joe Rogan and Lex Friedman and uh, people like that, Mark Maron. And, and uh, you know, you look, at the, you look at the menu and you go, eh, I'm not interested in that. You know, every time Rogan's talking to an MMA guy, I'm right. going, mm, you know, maybe. But... Uh, so I'm just I'm trying to do the same kind of thing, you know. It's like uh, we're talking about us and and your career, uh, and maybe next time I'm going to be talking with somebody about I I don't know um, what it's like to get yeah. old. You know, I mean, you just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Well, it's so nice that you. I, I needed to talk with somebody. I'm yeah, it's nice that you dodge politics because that's uh, something that we can't talk about apparently anymore. No way. I know. Well, although it did occur to me to talk to you about it, but I just... Like, well, if we do yeah, it another time, we can do it. I don't know. Okay. Because I can... Okay. Well, I'll leave, a little, I'll leave you with a little tease. I remember when I, the last time I was actually in your presence was about, as I said, 11 or 12 years ago. We were out there on the patio, on the veranda outside of your high-rise condo overlooking the city of Seattle, and uh, we were sitting around and we were talking, and I came to realize that... Uh, the time that you spent in the Northwest at that point, Pacific Northwest, that you had gotten uh, a little more oh no uh, question than you had been no at least, question about it you know and and you, and you seemed surprised that I had not become more liberal as I got older you know and I always thought it was kind of the other way around and I don't remember that we ever you know ever talked about anything specific I, heck I don't even remember who was president at the time but. Uh, it's it's an interesting conversation to have if you're able to have it and just you know keep one thing in mind and that is you know you're you're who you are and you have a right to to your own opinions and I might learn from them if I just sit down shut and, up and, and listen even if you don't do that I mean it's it's important to have civil discourse it's just important to talk and yeah. you want to talk to people that you don't always agree with I think that's kind of the problem we're running into these days is, is it's the only way yeah you can yeah i mean you gotta you gotta be willing to listen to, to to all opinions and and i remember my mother taught me that when i was uh you know i grew up jewish and and i was gonna when i had my bar mitzvah i was gonna quit religious i wasn't very very religious so i was gonna quit it all and not go on and, and you can go on and be confirmed take, take classes for five more years and my mother said to me she said well wouldn't you rather have all the information before you made that decision about whether or not you want to keep being a practicing Jew or not. And I remember as a, at 13 years old that saying, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess I will. I guess I will oh, learn. Guys. And then, you know, yeah. still didn't become very religious, but, you know, followed her advice, which was good advice. You might as well know all the facts before you make up your mind, if you can. My dad told me something when I was about 13 or 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got, it kind of got in the way of my talk show career. When I when I started doing that, because he told me, and I never never forgot this. He said, "People say you have a right to your opinion. That's only half correct. He said you have a right to an informed opinion, and if you don't know what you're talking about, you should shut the hell up and just listen. Yeah, and learn. Uh, uh, not know. good advice for a talk yeah, show host. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, man. I'm All gonna right. let you go, but uh, it was beautiful. It was wonderful talking to you. 
I, I always say I miss you, but the fact of the matter is you're on my mind all the time, so I don't feel like I'm really missing you. We have one of those friendships that is so close that we don't have to spend right. time together. It just doesn't get any weaker. It doesn't, it Couldn't never agree fades. more. I mean, it, 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 we pick up where we left off, no matter how many years it's been. We pick yeah. up where we left off.